listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host from Invent. Uh, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. And today, my special guest is Tara. Tara, welcome. Uh, would you like to uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, of course. Um, Tara Balade here. I am a co-founder of Balade Design Studio. I am an architect and a co-founder of Balade Design Studio. And we're a practice based in London. So, Tara, the um, most important question in it is what did you have for breakfast today? Well, actually, <laughs> I didn't have very much breakfast. I just had a coffee uh, with oat milk, of course. Um, and that's because a new season um, decided to try out intermittent fasting <laughs> for a few weeks. So it's, uh, it, was, it was coffee for breakfast uh, this morning. I will see how long I last. <laughs> <laughs> how are you finding the uh, intermittent fasting? Um, so far, so good. It's it's only been a couple of days, so it's it's been okay. My my um, my uh, self, my willpower is is doing all right. Um, but I, I think we'll see how we get to by the end of the week. I um, now that the schools are back, my wife stopped by uh, Costa on the way back, so I had a, a latte and a croissant. So uh, a bit of a posher breakfast then. Uh, I'm <laughs> So we, uh, well, I first came across you a couple of weeks ago at the uh, SecB Awards um, and um, was sort of blown away by some of the things that um, you're doing and trying to do uh, yourself and as a practice. Um, and I thought it was a great opportunity to uh, sort of get you on the podcast, explore some of those things uh, in a bit more detail. Um, but I guess just uh, to frame it a little bit more and I guess sort of um, get a bit more about your background um, like you say you've got your own practice so yeah. how did that come about what made you decide to uh, go out there on your own um, that's a good question I, I to be honest I've always wanted to um, run a practice lead a practice um, for quite a few years since I was in university I'm sure um, so it's something that I think I've always had in my um, DNA um, and I was also always referred to as a bit bossy when I was <laughs> when I was younger so it's inevitable I think um, are your siblings or everyone generally <laughs> I think it was everyone <laughs> <laughs> including my parents but anyway <laughs> side notes <laughs> yeah, <forgive me>. uh, <laughs> Um, so I've always wanted to run a practice, but specifically, I think in this moment, um, I've always worked on really extraordinary and really exciting schemes and we specialize in the residential sector. And I think for me as an architect, I really started to focus on sustainability and I really wanted to, um, push that part of architecture and push myself in that direction a little bit more. So I qualified as, um, a certified passive house consultant. And following that, I think a couple of years afterwards, I thought actually um, I'd love to spend more time really exploring the type of architecture I was passionate about, um, which really revolved around sustainability and its different facets. Yeah, and um, you know, some of the things that I've um, seen you guys getting involved with, you're um, uh, sort of being influenced by architecture from around the world uh, and how sort of communities are built really trying to overlay that with a real sort of, you know, foundation in uh, highly sustainable uh, communities as well. 
Absolutely, absolutely. That's quite literally the foundation of our of, of our practice and what we believe in, our ethos. Um, so we, that, I got it right. <laughs> exactly, spot on. Um, we strongly believe in sustainability, not just in its environmental state, but very much um, holistically. So environmental as well as socioeconomic sustainability. And we believe by having this triple bottom line, if you like, together, you can really create extraordinary places and our tagline if you like is making um making oh, let's look at it now <laughs> making everyday places for people extraordinary and we believe you can only do this through um, a holistic approach um particularly i think of course um covid has happened we are all in our homes um much more we're exploring our local areas our local high streets our local parks much more and i think there needs to be far more emphasis placed on place making um not just our four walls yeah, I, 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 yeah. um there's a, a bit of a um sort of lost in thought around master planning at times isn't there and that sort of holistic view of the impact on people absolutely absolutely and i think that's also why I think our architecture and influences has become maybe a little bit broader. And one of my, um, I had to think about this the other day, but one of my lockdown sort of discoveries, if you like, was um, looking at, I'm originally, um, originally still, <laughs> still Nigerian, but I originally grew up in Nigeria. <laughs> um, I originally grew up in Nigeria and um, I guess I've really come back to exploring sort of communal living as a, as a typology, um, having um, explored different types of ways of, of living in the last few years and in the last few decades. Um, and for me, that's really played a strong part in um, ensuring that this holistic approach to sustainable living, sustainable communities, sustainable housing um, is really embedded in community. Um, uh, and is that sort of that sort of generate generational co-living where sort of families stay together longer or the more sort of co-living that you are I mean, pre-COVID anyway, starting to sort of see uh, pop up around sort of um, some of the big cities where it's almost posh student accommodation. Uh, <laughs> there are large communal areas for uh, dining and sort of gyms and things like that with, with sort of small sort of living areas rather than sort of, you know, having that sort of small <laughs> studio with everything. Uh, or do you see a bit of both and has, has COVID changed your thought around that at all? I think it's probably the former. So really looking at redefining what the home means. Um, here we're currently very used to redefi um, defining our home as the four walls in which we live. We go into our front door um, and then we're home. But really, um, I think what I've drawn from a lot of um, suddenly West African um, architecture and what I think we're, we're sort of really exploring a little bit more of now is defining the home as actually a series of dwellings surrounding a courtyard or communal space. So actually home is not the four walls, but it is this interaction um, with people as you come into your own four walls, if you like. And so redefining the dwelling, not just as your immediate family unit, but as a broader community. Um, and I think that really um, places a lot of value on the socioeconomic side of sustainability. So health and well-being, being able to go to work, but almost being forced to, to bump into your neighbor and say hello, that all affects our daily um, outlook on life, that affects our mental well-being. And it's something we, I don't think, place as much emphasis on until it becomes a problem, um, where actually it could be very preventative in the in the first place, not obviously, not 
mental health being preventative in the first place, but a lot of these um, challenges with isolation and loneliness, which is growing in a society, can very much be addressed through really high quality and thought through um, architecture and placemaking. Yeah, architecture and the sort of construction industry more broadly has a uh, a great opportunity and um, sort of a, a necessity really to sort of up its game um, in many ways because in so many ways we shape people's lives um, and if we're not careful it's for bad not good um, whereas really we should really be focusing on the good how do we improve people's health and um, their living conditions um, you, you know lockdown has been a different experience for lots of people depending on sort of what where you are, I'm sort of fairly lucky not being in central London. It means I've got a, a little bit of space. I haven't got a massive garden, but at least I've got somewhere yes. uh, to go and sort of the, the river crouch uh, and a few areas around here for walks and stuff. I've been very lucky, um, but I know that for many people that hasn't been the case. Um, and, and the way you describe this sort of you know, the, the courtyard and um, and, and there are examples of sort of um, social housings and things like that around them, isn't there, where there was that sort of ethos and that belief of community first. Yes. Um, and I, I, I don't know why we lost that. I, I, I can't um, hope to. <laughs> I'll probably get in trouble if I start to think of, of, of how or where we lost it. But um, I guess this this drive for more and more and more in society is, is something that has um, definitely I was going to say seeped into, I think construction very much leading the way as well in, in, in that. Um, and I think in a society where everything is instantaneous and where everything is required now and to vast amounts of um, quantity, we can often forget quality. Um, and so I think we have a great opportunity, like you say, within architecture, within the construction industry to bring back the focus on quality, quality of space and quality of place and what that on an individual um basis means for people and that includes uh community engagement that includes asking people actually how they want to live and what they want to live and i see very much communities as the experts and us as the professionals so architects contractors developers are the professionals but they are the experts of your local area and mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to sort of sidestep the experts and come in as as, as um professionals and bulldoze our ideas in in um, local contexts. So I think community engagement is such a strong part of um, creating um, highly sustainable places. With um, how we build, um, you know, there are a lot of advances that have come across in the last few years. You know, you're looking at um, sort of BIM, digital engineering, modern methods of construction, these type of things. They all have sort of greater opportunity for us to engage. Mm -hmm. and for us to think a little bit earlier about how we build, what we use in that build, how mm -hmm. everything will perform. Um, but uh, I mean, we're still not fully utilising these tools. Yeah. Are you, do you feel that there is a shift happening uh, and that these things are becoming more the norm rather than nice to have? Um, I think so. I think it's really difficult for anyone to not be engaging with um, using BIM software, for example, um, and yeah, modern methods of construction, offsite construction, because we are all aware of the housing crisis, which numbers change, but 300,000 homes a year needed at the moment. Um, and I, I think for us to be able to focus on quality, again, we need to adopt the technology that allows us to spend more time 
um, on that, actually, because technology is there to make life simpler, if you like, or more efficient, if you like, which allows us, if we think about it, more time to engage with communities um, more um, meaning in a more meaningful way. Um, so as standard, we use BIM software. We, as uh, within our practice, we use Architect specifically. Um, but just that allows us, of course, to engage with our, um, our consultant team far more efficiently. It allows our clients to be very much um, in line with what we do. We have an online um, program that we use, so our clients are able to drop in um, to see where we are in a, in a project program at any, at any, um, any point in time. Um, so I, I think absolutely technology, offsite construction, which we are passionate about or really, um, really champion because of the performance standards that it can offer in terms of more consistent performance standards it can offer. As you well know, um, it's a fallacy a little bit in our industry how performance targets are never really met, even though they're designed to even building regulation standards and they, they don't meet that. So we have huge performance gap issues in our industry, which seems ridiculous in like 2020. <laughs> uh, I feel like a society we're so advanced, but at the same time, not so much. Um, so there, there are lots of um, holes to fill, I guess, <laughs> or, or you know, um, gaps to plug, <laughs> however you want to say it. There, there are lots of opportunities for us to, um, yeah, for us to. We, um, um we oversimplify to the outside world especially what construction is about and you know everyone looks at i mean my um uh um uh careers advice in school was uh, if I, construction was about laying bricks or counting bricks yeah but that sort of simplistic viewpoint <laughs> of the world yeah uh, really sort of doesn't do is just in some of the things that we build um are incredibly complicated mm, mm. Uh, and incredibly difficult to get right uh, and this is sometimes why it goes wrong. Uh, sometimes it is because, you know, that lack of communication between different disciplines and things like that. You, you know, there are some systemic issues that we can overcome with just sort of a slightly different approach to what we do. Um, but it is a shame that we can't sort of, you know, always reach that sort of pinnacle that we are capable of. Mm. And the um, uh, especially when we're talking about creating communities um, and, and things like that, so that we have end users, obviously, the people who will end up living in these communities that um, we don't often engage with. Yeah. And sometimes I guess it's difficult because you don't know who's going to live in what you're going to build. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're more sort of redeveloping areas, it's a little bit easier. But even then, um, you know, the town I live in is a, a, a big sort of master plan at the moment for a thousand new homes sort of thing on sort of the, the other side of the road. Um, but the way that it is being communicated is terrible. Yeah. And um, so you've got you, you've got so many people up in arms yeah. um, that it's going to cause havoc, create havoc and all of this. And it'll be promises not kept uh, and all this. Yeah. How do we, uh, as an industry, overcome that sort of lack of trust that such large elements of, um, oh, it's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Massively on the spot there. <laughs> uh, I think you're absolutely right. It, it, is, um, it is not easy, but I do think that, um, you know, this is no panacea, but I do think that early engagement is important. I think that even when, we think developments are new developments. The truth of the matter is that often 
they might be urban extensions. There is usually an existing community. It might be Greenfield, but there is usually an existing community it's attaching to. And I think there needs to be, and I think it's a, it's a perfectly valid point, and we're working with um, um, a project, actually, <laughs> with, a few, with um, yeah, a few thousand units, where it's exactly that, where the, the existing community very much, well, what about us, and why should I be engaged about this new, <laughs> shiny, uh, highly sustainable development on the side? Uh, what's that to me? And I think this is where um, early engagement happens, and this is why I think... Um, thinking of the triple bottom line in terms of socioeconomic sustainability is key and critical as well, because existing communities exist. And if, yeah, you're, you're right, you live in your house, really, how is that going to affect me apart from you're bringing a whole load more people there, there's going to be increased traffic, there's going to be air pollution, how does that affect me? But if um, as developers, as applicants, we're able to engage with existing communities, say, actually, in your current community, what do you think you might want more of? Do you think that perhaps another park might be um, necessary? Are there too many cafes or not enough cafes? Are there places, um, could this street, something as simple as, could this street be tidied up? Could, could we provide more benches on the street so um, placemaking starts to be embedded? Could street lighting be engaged um, a little bit more? So there are lots of, lots of little wins that by just not engaging with the community, we miss out on. And I think people are far more engage when they can see the benefit to themselves, yet we don't necessarily think about <laughs> existing communities as much, near as much as, as we could. But also actually how can existing communities use and take advantage of the facilities perhaps in new communities? So yes, a thousand new units are built down the road, but um, is there a bakery perhaps in this community that could have a sister arm um, in in um, in a new community, or could there be sustainable transport corridors that allows us to move between between um, parts of parts of a place? So there are lots of thinking and lots of opportunities for um, integrating um, communities, which in eventually allow them to be stronger communities. So that's yeah. a long answer. Sorry. <laughs> and I agree. And actually, in the development that is being proposed here, there are lots of that new green spaces sort of improvements in sort of the um through fair uh in between sort of the new and the old sort of part of town as it were uh creating more cycle lanes sort of you, you know and things like this and sort of um, improving the green infrastructure around us um so there's lots of good things but it's hidden in you know 150 pay so the the, the medium yeah. that um we communicate with the general public um uh, certainly needs um improving um but and the the technology is out there to let us um uh, with vr ar uh, 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 just about um oh it doesn't even need to be that posh really you know just a a, a bit a, even a rubbish 3d rendering of what the town would eventually look like would help massively wouldn't it but yeah. never mind um so we've talked uh, and, and covered sort of sustainability and things like that. But the other um, uh, thing um, that you're obviously heavily involved with is the Paradigm Network. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want to sort of introduce us to um, that, uh, what it's about, why you started it, things like that? Yes. Um, first to say that I started it alongside um, four others, so we were very much co-starters. Co um, but um, the Paradigm Network is, in effect, a professional network that um, champions um, black and Asian um, black and Asian representation within the built environment. Um, and we started this about three years ago. So myself and my colleagues, um, 
who at the time we were all architects and since then, oh, well, not all architects, all architects by training, but um, we've got developers in there. Um, uh, and since, since then it's very much grown to encompass um, all types of um, built environment professionals. Um, the purpose of creating it, unfortunately, I, I mean, so I'll start with this. The goal of the network is that it ceases to exist, that there's no need for a network like this in five years, 10 years, I know ambitious, um, in 20 years time that it ceases, there's literally no need for it. But we uh, I mean, you say ambitious, but uh, I mean, if it does take us 20 years, then, you know, we should be ashamed of ourselves. Quite, quite right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Quite right. Um, and, and, you know, it, it was, it was, it was born out of this need that we felt there could be more done for um, supporting and encouraging Black and Asian professionals within um, the industry, either to start the, their career or career progression or ambition, in effect. Um, I think one of the things that, that most sticks out to me, only because it's um, more recent, is, of course, after um, the murder of George Floyd, um, what the Paradigm Network did was host an open mic session, um, which wasn't scripted. It was very much just, you know, reaching out to the network. We've got about um, just under 500 um, people in the network, and that includes um, people of all creeds, all um, colors, all everything, because it's it's not about being black or Asian. It's about um, supporting the cause, if you like, as well. Um, well, we had an open mic uh, session a few, a few, a couple of months ago now, I guess, and one of the saddest things that came out for me personally was very much this um, lack of ambition and a lot of um, Black and Asian people feeling that, well, they didn't see a career progression because they were always overlooked um, and they didn't feel they could um, be honest and open and fully authentic at work. So why would they invest, if you like, in another company and why would they invest their time in um, being in shining when really there's no one taking notice, which I think is a huge um, fallacy, not just for them, but the fact that businesses are not getting the best out of people, which means that businesses' bottom lines are being hurt mm. by lack of recognizing the talents that already exists. Um, and I think it's important to also mention that it's not a matter of ability, but very much about visibility and being able to recognize that people's works are um, are appreciated and um, and responded to positively through career progression, through being made associate, through being made director. Um, and, you know, I mentor a few people and I always say to them, well, look at, um, if you're thinking of what practice do I go to next, I always say, look at someone's website. And if you don't like what you see in the people section, then I don't think that's the practice for you. Um, and I think that that's such an important, as challenging as it might sound, I think that's such an important place because it means that, um, you know, people of color, which is not a term I personally like actually, but, we're, uh, but certainly um, people of color, I guess, because we're all color in effect, but I'll, I'll use it because that's what the PC word at the moment. Um, <laughs> you know, are not progressing. And so there's a problem there, in my view. And so that's a very long introduction, but, <laughs> but that's what the Paradigm Network is. And in fact, we we, um, we host a lot of workshops, um, a lot of uh, talks, um, skills um, or upskilling opportunities. And I must say that the we've had partnerships and we have partnerships with larger um, 
certainly architectural and now slightly more broader um, practices, which have been amazing. So uh, practices such as Squire and Partners, Jessica and Wiles, who accommodated us in um, this space and given, this, um, given it to Paradigm users to use um, for free for events. That was, of course, pre-COVID when, when we could actually <laughs> meet. <laughs> um, but we've had um, people from large practice as well, sort of um, lenders, their PR team, and, you know, it, it's been amazing, to be honest. People, um, um, organizations such as Build Studios in Waterloo who've allowed us to use their, use their spaces for free. Um, practices like Squires and Partners, again, who've, um, you know, provided food and drinks for the events we've, we've held on. Um, so I think we've, we've been very lucky to have really great support from the industry and uh, long may continue. And at the moment, we've got so many more practices reaching out. So we're very, very busy, which is great. <laughs> Yeah, any of these practices looking for, you know, a bit of help, guidance, mentoring themselves as well about how they can um, be more inclusive, how they can make sure that their processes are, uh, are right and that, like you say, that the, um, that website or, you know, the first thing they see uh, about them uh, in the, um, the, the big world gives that sort of impression of a, a, an inclusive uh, place to come? Yes, we've definitely had a few reach out in that capacity. Yeah. Um, what we've actually honestly told um, them, in effect, is to come back with their own ideas um, because we are a volunteer organization with just five <laughs> um, and we all have full-time jobs, so very demanding full-time jobs. Um, so we actually encourage um, people to come with their own ideas of what they think they might do, they might want to do. What and what that's allowed for is a lot of innovation on their part, rather than us sort of mm -hmm. giving a scripted response. Um, so we've had um, we've had practices who want to partner for say a period of twelve months or, or and longer or twenty four months etc. Um, and speak either on you know either working up a CV or looking at a specific part of architecture in terms of um, in terms of how to do community engagement right. Um, but also the other way around, we've also had um, a lot of them come directly to um, Paradigm or to the network um, where they have job opportunities going so that they can um, start to see their practices as reflected in society, particularly in London um, as well. So, yeah. so if anyone watching or listening um, would like to sort of get more involved with the Paradigm Network, what can people do uh, and is there anything specific you would like to see people do more of um, in, in the industry? Um, that's a good question. I think what people can do, we have the, um, the website, it's, I'm just going to check it out, it's um, Paradigm, um, paradigmnetwork.co.uk, that's it, um, and you can register to become a member. What that means is that you'll, um, you'll be part of our newsletter. We don't send loads so it's okay you won't be spammed um, and but also reach out we have an email address there so we're happy to um for anyone to reach out and um we're we're always willing to have a conversation and over the last few weeks we've had lots and lots of of them um, but we're very open we're not again like i said we're not prescriptive we do want people to come up with um any great ideas um, or questions that they have and we can either signpost or be very much part of um part of the process of assisting, of assisting. So we're, yeah, we're open to how we work with people. And the door is open to anyone and everyone, um, not just architects. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Not just architects. <laughs> the, the network is full of developers. The network is full of planners. We've got such a, the, the whole landscape design, the, 
the, the range of built environment uh, specialists are, are on there. So um, it's a brilliant network to be part of. And we've got like a little WhatsApp group and it's just active all the time. I feel like I can't keep up. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's brilliant. Well, good. Um, well, that's good. I mean, we'll put the uh, link to the website uh, and any social channels and things like that in the um, uh, biography. So if anyone is interested um, uh, to get involved, I would encourage everyone to sort of, you know, get involved, champion uh, as much as you can, uh, becoming more inclusive because um, as an industry, we need um, more people. We need to encourage the next generation, the best of the next generation to get more involved. So we want to make sure that we are sort of the best of everything uh, that we can be um, so it's certainly worth uh, everyone getting involved um so tara sort of our half an hour is um sort of quickly coming uh, to to an end uh, it's been a, a fascinating conversation a great conversation so thank you very much for joining us thank you very much for inviting me um, for everyone uh, listening, um, sort of the usual, uh, make sure that you uh, like, that you share um, uh, this podcast, um, tell your friends, family, co-workers and even people in the street if you want about how amazing it is uh, and make sure that you subscribe to uh, uh, get hold of the next one. So uh, Tara, again, thank you very much and uh, to everyone else out there, um, see you soon. Come to Invent for the highest R&D tax credit you can claim. We help construction businesses get back millions in tax credits every year. Contact us today for a free review. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.